Hello and welcome into another edition of Going for Two presented by Homefield Apparel. I am Brian Fisher, not joined as always by Matt Brown. He's still off gallivanting around Charlotte in the, in the Queen City, uh, doing everything he can to uh, to soak up some knowledge down there at, at a conference. I'm sure he's also quite 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 enjoying himself uh, with, with uh, probably more than one trip to, to cook out, would, would be my guess, knowing Matt in just a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll have him on next week uh, to not only recap uh, what he learned and, and, and what he found out down there, but uh, to, to get back to some normal business. But didn't want to leave you guys hanging, have a special edition of uh, the podcast this week. Uh, going to going to bring on Bruce Feldman here in a second, my colleague over at Fox Sports. He also writes for The Athletic, and I think nobody talks to more coaches, strength coaches, assistant coaches, ADs, assistant ADs, any, anybody around the country than, than Bruce does. And so uh, he, he's going to jump on and give us some tremendous insight in terms of the coaching carousel, what, what, what's going on with a couple of AD situations, uh, who's who's on the hot seat, who's not on the hot seat, who might be moving off the hot seat. Uh, some, some tremendous insight in terms of the coaching market from Bruce here in just a second. But uh, before we do get to get to talking to him about that, did want to make sure that we mention our, 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 our presenting sponsor, Homefield Apparel. If you use the promo code extra points, you get 15% off your first order. I, I got my, uh, I, I guess I got a double dose of, of Colorado going on today. I got my, got my blast hoodie as well which is uh, pretty much the softest fleece hoodie that you are ever going to find that they have tons of designs I, I got my colorado shirt on underneath it is that time of year where, where you want to get bundled up a, a little bit as that fall christmas comes in uh, not only on, on, on college football game days on saturdays but uh, really uh, at, at any time uh, in the week this is the the apparel for you so if you want to save 15 percent off your first order uh, go ahead and, and uh, use that promo code extra points all one word uh, to, to get that price knocked down and, and some some really nice additions lately. There's there, there's a pretty fancy Horn Frogs uh, edition that Oklahoma State uh, had, had a new retro Cowboys look. Um, you know, there's there's something for everybody there on homefieldapparel.com. Make sure you use that promo code, which is extra points once again. Also wanted to be uh, mentioned uh, before we get going here with, with Bruce and uh, talking about the coaching carousel, head coach you. And uh, we had another episode out this week. Uh, tremendous conversation with Harvard's Tim Murphy, the winningest coach in Ivy League history, uh, some, some tremendous insights on really one of the more unique institutions and, and how you recruit to that place, you know, what, what it means to, to talk with those kids. Stay tuned next week. Very special guest that, that I think everybody's really going to enjoy uh, ahead of a big game on next Saturday. So uh, make sure you subscribe to that feed on, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you want to catch that podcast and, and where, wherever you get this here podcast. Make sure you're giving us five stars. We, we think it's, it's a five-star product. Go ahead and leave a review. We, we try to read through uh, all of them uh, over the weeks and, and, and months that they kind of stack up. And uh, we really appreciate the kind feedback that we, we get from everybody, not only in, in those five-star reviews, but if, if you see us in, in, in person and, and you say you listen to the podcast, uh, we really enjoy that and uh, really try to make sure that this product is is for you out there, not only providing some unique insights in terms of college athletics, but um, you're really providing a, a, a release for, for some of us to, to get some some things that uh, are, are better said on podcast form than uh, the the extra points newsletter or in the D1 ticker. So uh, make sure you subscribe to all of those. Uh, we really appreciate all of the support. Uh, without further ado, though, um, while we're, I'm going to go shop some more uh, home field apparel with that promo code extra points. Uh, let's bring on Bruce Feldman, uh, my, my colleague over at Fox Sports, and uh, let's chat about coaches. Thrilled to be joined by Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and also Fox Sports. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be on with you and talk some college football. 
Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you on. And uh, the, the biggest reason that, that we we asked you was, was of course, the coaching carousel. It feels like it uh, was we were kind of stuck in that loop for, for pretty much every Sunday. It seemed like some power five head coach was getting fired that has slowed off a little bit uh, the, these last couple of weeks. But uh, Will Healy did, did uh, lose his job at Charlotte. I'm curious if we can probably start there in terms of why did the school decide to make a move on, on Will Healy at this time and how attractive when, when you're talking with coaches is this opening? Yeah, I, Will Healy's a guy who had been kind of a rising star, did a really nice job at Austin P. got in there and led them to their first bowl game at Charlotte in 2019. But since then, I think there were eight and 18, has just really backslid quite a bit. This year, they were they were going into last weekend, uh, you know, one and six, and then got really hammered. And they've had some big blowout losses. And I think for... As much as the money people there and, and people around close to the program really liked him, I mean, he had kind of been buddies with a lot of people there who matter. At the beginning of the year, even in the first, after the first month of a rocky first month of this season, I think the people I talked to were like, man, he's got the right people in his corner. But after a while, it just got so bad, and they were so bad on defense that um, the leadership there was like, we definitely need to move on. And as for the how attractive this job is, this is a good job for a group of five. I mean, it's obviously going into a bigger conference in the AAC in the not too distant future. It's a very livable place. There's a lot of coaches who want to live there. There's a there's a good amount of talent that's local. There's people who feel like this is a very attractive job. So I think you will have a lot of rising star assistant types um, want in on this and you may have some former head coaches who are now you know working at the coordinator level who try to get in on it as well well as you mentioned uh you know the school is moving to the aac in, in 2023 you would be another one with an interim coach right now also making that, that same jump could, could there be additional movement uh not just in terms of the american coaches uh, right now those, those schools that are currently in the league but also some of the other schools that, that are coming into the aac in 2023 and beyond yeah, I mean, look, you know, USF has really struggled and, uh, you know, Jeff Scott, they I don't want to say they've been that patient with him because it's not like he's been there that long. But I think they were hoping it would get going sooner. He's had some close losses. I mean, he, his team gave gave UF a, a, a good game earlier this year. They just need something good to happen right now for for I think the people there in leadership to feel like, all right, we are on the right track right now because again that's an attractive job in tampa obviously uh willie taggart won there uh certainly jim levitt won there and so it had fallen off whereas ucf you know in orlando has just taken off usf has really backslid quite a bit and i think that is a is a concern there uh tulsa is another job philip montgomery has been there for a long time he's done a solid job but I think they need to, you know, last year he got on a roll to end the year. They extended him a couple more years. I'm not sure, you know, financially that they're in a position where they're going to make big moves. But I think it's one certainly to keep an eye on, um, you know, so I, I don't know what the other one, you know, around there that I think is is worth maybe keeping an eye on is Kenny Amatololo at Navy, who won a ton of games there and everybody loves him. But the program is definitely tailed off in the last couple of years. And I think it's it's also been kind of underscored, not just because of the steady success, you know, Troy Calhoun's had at Air Force, but certainly, you know, with Army has really taken over that series in the last few years under Munkin. I think that has really added some pressure there. So those are a couple of them to keep an eye on around there. 
Well, we, we couldn't talk about the coaching carousel without mentioning Auburn. It seems like that, that is the constant question surrounding Brian Harson's job security. What's the latest there and how much is the AD search kind of impacting what's what's happening there on the Plains? Yeah, uh, just one other I, I left out in that league. Ryan Silverfield at Memphis, his seat has gotten a lot hotter in the last couple of weeks when they've had some some losses where, you know, against Houston, it was kind of a miraculous turnaround for the Cougars and it fell apart. Um, and then the last few weeks have been rough. As far as Auburn, you know, it's such a weird dynamic there where the AD, the former AD, Alan Green, really went to bat to try to, to force – Harson in there. It seemed like a really odd fit. They were not happy with him almost from the start. They ended up really basically pulling the rug out from under Alan Green. Now there's an AD search that's going on. Recruiting is not going well. Brian Harson's sitting there, you know, struggling to win games. They have not been good on offense. Quarterback play has been a concern. I don't think it helps that Bo Nix left there and has tore it up in the Pac-12 at, at Oregon. That only kind of makes it seem a little, maybe a little more salt in the wound. I'd be shocked if Auburn uh, ends up, you know, after this recruiting cycle and, and Brian Harson's still the face of the program. I just don't see that happening. Uh, it's just a matter of time before they end up hitting the reset button. Now they're going to have to pay him over $15 million and they're going to have to pay it from, according to my sources, they're going to have to pay it uh, half of it within like 60 days. So that is not an easy turnaround. But again, Auburn can't stomach the idea of being irrelevant in football in that league. And I think that you will see changes. That's that is the most attractive job that we expect to be open because of the resources, because both Gene Chizik, he won a national title and Gus obviously played for a national title. People know you can win there. And I would imagine whether it's Lane Kiffin or Deion Sanders or Hugh Freeze, uh, they're going to have options of guys who can win there and guys who can not only win there, but also get recruits there and get people really fired up about football again. And Brian Harson just really hasn't been able to do that there. Uh, I, I will I will touch a little bit on prime time in, in just a little bit, but uh, sticking with, with Auburn just a little bit. Uh, obviously, they're going through the AD search. I'm, I'm not sure if you heard anything in terms of that maybe concluding in the next couple of weeks or, or some of the names that might be in the mix. But uh, also in, in terms of the football program overall, what kind of direction would, would that new AD kind of be looking for once if, if they eventually move on from, from Ryan Harson? I think you have to have a guy who who regionally makes sense there. Brian Harson had come in from Boise and really seemed like an outsider there. And um, I think that's so much of a factor, not just in the comfort level, but also how it plays in recruiting, right? And so whether it's Dion or certainly Lane Kiffin's had a ton of success in that conference. Hugh Freeze has had a ton of success in there. He's beaten Nick Saban more than once. So I, I think there are guys who will make some sense there. And ultimately, I think it's like, what plan do you have going forward? I, I, you know, in fairness to Brian Harson, I felt like he really never had much of a chance there because he just in this era of NIL, if the money people aren't really in your corner, that can hamstring you, especially in that conference at the end. And so whoever they hire, they're going to have to really it's got to be more than just the new AD feels good about them. They have to have a consensus where, hey, we're going to back this guy through and through because for their recruiting to be as as bad as it is, like there is no path forward with that, given how bad they are on offense, how bad the product is on the field. I mean, it's it's obvious what's going on there. 
if there's a change pretty much universally expected at Auburn, the, the real curveball in, in this coaching carousel was, was certainly Wisconsin and, and the school making a move with Paul Chris. Jim Leonard kind of given the interim tag to, to basically do a test drive in terms of these last couple of games. What does he ultimately have to do to get that interim tag taken off in your mind? Yeah, Brian, I cannot remember a situation where there was a firing that early into the season where the interim was the hands-down big favorite to keep the job. They love Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard's turned down a lot more money to stay in Madison. Obviously, he has big ties there. He did a he's done a really terrific job as a defensive coordinator, which is why so many big programs tried to hire him. What I think really they need to see is can he get a spark in the offense? and really make this Wisconsin football 2.0, where we love what we love the development piece. We love what we're doing on defense. Can you make the offense feel like it's not some version of what's going on right now in Iowa City? You know, and that I think is critical. Now he has time to time to show it. I think so far, the you know, the first couple of weeks, it's been good, not great, but I think it's been better. Now I think if he can build on it because to me, it's his job to lose. And unless it starts to feel really stagnant on offense or they feel like he's kind of in over his head, which I would su- be surprised about that. Like, I really think I'll be surprised if Jim Leonard does not win this job in the end. It's not like they're playing against Ohio State and Michigan and the, the rest of the way. They have all winnable games in the in the in the in the uh, regular season. Then if they breaks well they're in the conference championship game and look they'll be up against the heavyweight who has way more firepower than them and even if they lose you know this score is familiar to you know them 59 to nothing or something i would i would not be surprised if they're in the conference title game if before that happens you know they would name him as the as the permanent head coach i know that's probably something that old usc fans probably cringe at that but this isn't a this isn't a Clay Helton situation. This is a guy that they all want to get the job and prove he can have it. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a dividing line there between between the uh, fan base temperature regarding Clay Helton and uh, the, the native son in Jim Leonard. But sticking in the Big Ten, uh, I mean, you mentioned the the path there to Indianapolis. Uh, you know, I, Nebraska continues to come up. Mickey Joseph's done a pretty solid job so far, at least uh, under the interim tag. But uh, what, what's the latest on the uh, search there to replace Scott Frost? I think a big part of this, Brian, has been. You know, early on, I had heard what Trev Alberts really valued. You know, there's a relationship pre-existing from a long time ago, uh, back in Atlanta and Georgia Tech days of him with Bill O'Brien. He loved what Bill O'Brien did in a really dire situation taking over Penn State. And Trev Alberts knows that Nebraska needs a massive overhaul. And look, I think I was there the week the firing happened and and, and in Mickey Joseph's first game there and they struggled against Oklahoma but talking to him I think I spent an hour with him that Friday he was very brutally honest about some of the issues going on there like if they can go on a roll the last month it wouldn't shock me if Mickey Joseph coached his way into the job because he can recruit and he's a strong leader and I think you feel those things um in a lot of ways in terms of like the strength as a leader, it feels like kind of the opposite of what they had under Scott Frost. You know, if you are Trev Alberts, again, and I, I don't I don't want to say, you know, Mickey Joseph is in the same situation with Jim Leonard. He's not. But I think he is a legitimate candidate now. And if he can get this team to finish this year strong over the next month, 
I think he's going to make it a really tough choice because, yeah, you could say, all right, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure Mickey Joseph stays on staff for whoever the new head coach is. But if they go out and, you know, win three of their last four or even all of them, and it's possible they could, you know, win three of their last four or whatnot um, and, and certainly get bowl eligible, then you run into the to the challenge of this guy saved our season. Everybody here, you know, he's our best recruit on staff. Everybody here likes him and he's not the head coach. You know, it's a delicate balance for whoever the new head coach is because now you're inheriting the guy a lot of people in the locker room probably think deserves the job. So in that regard, it's interesting. I mean, Lance Leipold, a former Nebraska assistant, did an amazing job, won 63 national titles, did an amazing job turning Buffalo before he left into a top 20 program working miracles at Kansas, even if they go six and six and, you know, it tails off because of the injuries. I think people know how good of a coach he is. I, I would be surprised if, if Nebraska uh, didn't, if, if he really wants the job save for Mickey Joseph, maybe, you know, winning out, I think it'd be hard for them to go in a different direction because he, he is a proven CEO and he knows how to establish a culture. Um, but again, I think there are some things that make it a little more complicated here. There's definitely some people, you know, I've talked to who say, you know, will this feel like like you hired Mike Riley was a proven, you know, program winner and it didn't work at Nebraska. Now, look, Mike Riley was didn't grow, you know, didn't work there before and didn't have the same kind of connections to the area as Lance Leipold does. But I don't think this is this is a tricky decision right now because I think you have some guys who are, you know, logical candidates, but it's, it's not an easy place to win. And Scott Frost, who had two, two terrific years turning UCF around, that's not a big, that's not a big um, body of work in the end. And it, he was, a, you know, he bombed miserably. So the idea of taking a, maybe an unproven head coach and, and saying, all right, this is going to be the answer. I think, I think, uh, you know, people in, inside Nebraska and certainly Trevor Alberts are going to have to feel a little more, more comfortable than that. Now, whether Bill O'Brien is that guy or not, you know, maybe that's the, the, the ace in his, in it, up his sleeve that he can lean on. I, I, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that at this point. Well, that, that'll certainly be one of the more fascinating searches to kind of follow over the next couple of uh, weeks and months, and as well as Arizona State. Uh, that Michael Michael Crow, the uh, school president there, recently had some comments to ESPN, uh, kind of supporting Ray Anderson, the AD there. Uh, how much of an impact is that going to have on this opening, knowing that Ray Anderson, at least for the short term, is, is going to be sticking around? Yeah, I don't know how much, even with his comments notwithstanding, I'd be a little surprised if Ray Anderson had much say in who the next head coach is. I mean, they have people behind the scenes who I, I think will are being groomed to maybe have more influence there. Um, and potentially I could see that, um, that maybe being a little more of a position of strength. Cause quite honestly, some of the candidates that I've talked to for who I think are in play for this job or will be are like, who's, you know, what's going on with Ray Anderson. I think there's a bunch of people who are, who are skittish of the idea of, taking that job if Ray Anderson in the short term is still the boss. And so it's, it's a, it's a weird situation you have there. I mean, there's a bunch of guys who I think are feel like there's a lot of potential there at ASU. You have an uncertain conference, you know, stability factor, certainly there. Um, and I think you have a program that has been kind of gutted by the portal 
And, you know, it's just like, okay, who's going to be in charge here? Who's going to be my boss? And I think, you know, if you're a, any head coach, whether it's your first job or it's a, you're coming back to be a head coach, I just think it's like, mm, this is one that like, are there too many unknowns to feel good about? If there are unknowns there, there in Tempe, there are at least some some more knowns in in Atlanta with Georgia Tech. Jay Bat just hired from uh, Alabama to be the new uh, Yellow Jackets athletic director. Is, is that kind of the, the signal that uh, we're we're going to get some more movement there uh, in, in terms of uh, what what's happening with Georgia Tech and and who might be some names that uh, come up for that job? Yeah, I think the challenging thing, Brian, on this one is there's a lot of skepticism about how committed to to playing high level college football is Georgia tech really going to be, that has been the concern. That was the concern certainly, you know, around the staff when, when Jeff Collins was in charge. And I think that's going to be the concern now, because if you're trying to battle and you, you do have to battle Georgia, it's not like, you know, you are not a group of five school. You, you have a lot to offer there, but if you're at a place where you just don't feel like they're committed to the same level, that's a tough job to go into. Right. So you know, on one hand, I thought, okay, whether it's Auburn or Georgia Tech, if Deion Sanders, you know, has has his pick, I was like, well, his name would carry a ton of weight. This program has not been nationally relevant for a long time. Even when Paul Johnson was winning there, I think because of the style of offense, I think people were a little hesitant in terms of like they had top 15 seasons, but I still think it was a little bit um muted and that was before kirby smart elevated georgia into what it is now and so now it's really in the shadows so who goes in there like you know i i think jamie chadwell some some power five ad at some point is going to look really smart i don't know if if nebraska and trev alberts is going to think okay maybe that's too far of an outlier you know it's it's kind of puzzles me how much some ad's have held against him that the staff doesn't have power five experience. I mean, but think about it this way. Option football worked there and they had a lot of success. And Jamie Chadwell's version of the option is different. But I think it's one that could be very attractive there. And geographically, he makes a lot of sense. We see what he's done with Grayson McCall and the numbers he's put up. Like, to me, if they made that higher, I think that would be one that, again, that would that would be one that I think would make Georgia Tech very interesting going forward. Now, to me, the, the potential home run grand slam hire is if somehow you get Deion Sanders in there because the only thing that rival coaches would probably dread more than having to face the option is having to face Deion Sanders and after right after you've done a home visit. I mean, because you can't, you can't match up to that, right? And all of a sudden that energy and that charisma and the juice that he has in this in the town where he was a former Braves and Falcons star, and I think that carries weight with a lot of families, um, would make it would would make it really compelling. Speaking of, of Dion, uh, obviously game day is, is visiting Jackson State this week, and a lot of euphoria surrounding uh, you know his candidacy. He, he's interviewed before at, at places like Arkansas and TCU. Uh, it, it ultimately, is prime time still in Jackson State in twenty twenty three, or is he going to land one of these gigs this cycle? I think he will land at one of these jobs. I think the, like what you have right now, especially with Auburn likely coming open with Georgia Tech. Like I don't know if, if Georgia Tech is is committed enough that it would convince Dion and maybe the people close to him to think, yeah, this is the right fit. Um, but ultimately, I think 
I would be surprised if as much as he's won, the way he's recruited, the way he's elevated with very little resources at Jackson State, that people passed on him. It's especially the jobs that are open. Now, look, potentially it could be a domino thing. I don't know if if Lane Kiffin got got Auburn, would would Ole Miss, would Dion want to go to Oxford? I don't know how that one would play necessarily for him or there, but I think there's a potential for for a little of those dominoes. Like I, I would I wouldn't see Dion at Nebraska. There's a you know there's a handful of these jobs that you know I I think Colorado definitely has interest in him, but I just couldn't see him pulling the trigger to be the next to go to Boulder with all the uncertainty there. But Auburn, you know, again I don't know what the new AD is going to decide between. Like I said, I feel like there's three obvious candidates. I don't know how much. When it comes to uh, Greg Sankey, how much comfort level he would have with one of his member schools bringing in Hugh Freeze? We've heard, and you know that there was real hesitation there a few years ago. Maybe time has healed that. Maybe not. Yeah, well, that, that'll certainly be one of kind of the, the secondary storylines to a lot of those guys' names being attached to some of those jobs. You, you mentioned Colorado there. Uh, I would hate to overlook the bus, although it seems like everybody does in this cycle. Um, ultimately, you know, the, whoever comes in there is, is going to need a lot of work. What, what kind of candidates is Rick George ultimately going to be able to land and, and, and look at it that can really turn around uh, the fortunes of that program? As much as I think they would like to have a name coach, like, I mean, Carl Durrell was just really, f- just had them under the radar from the time he got there. And that program, they basically had like one good season in like the last 20 years. And that is a long drought. You don't have a great local recruiting base. You have the uncertainty now of where you are conference-wise. And I think, you know, if it's a Jeff Grimes, who is the offense coordinator at Baylor, who a lot of people like, that might be a, make some sense. He spent a lot of time, you know, at BYU, who's a finalist for the Utah State head coaching job. I think Ryan Walters has has coached himself into real consideration. He's a former CU player. He took a defense that was not even ranked in the top 100 before he showed up at Illinois. Now they're number one in the country. I mean, like – uh, to me, you got to have him as a as a as a top candidate based on what he did. I think Ricky Ronnie at ODU, he's a he's from only about an hour away from Boulder. Good offensive coach, done a really nice job at Old Dominion, and I think he's somebody that they will look at. But you know, it, this job has is not it's not like to me in a lot of ways it's hard to recruit there but it's also how bad the talent the roster is right now when you talk to coaches who are there they're not even sure that there's like an nfl draft prospect on you know in the building not even one so that is pretty bleak and you're talking about talking about a massive rebuild at a program where they have not had like two good years in a row since before most recruits were born yeah, I mean, and, and hard to kind of fathom that for, for those of us in, in our age bracket who, who understood what uh, Colorado, Colorado was back in the day. Uh, you know, we, we also mentioned a couple of names there. It seems like Neil Brown's name has come a, a little bit uh, in terms of his hot seat. You mentioned Jeff Scott. Uh, certainly uh, Scott Satterfield at Louisville has, has been another name. Who, who might be kind of feeling that heat right now going into this kind of final stretch run of the season? Yeah, I really think Scott Satterfield's the one in the trickiest position. I mean, he did such a good job when he took over a mess from Bobby Petrino. He really kind of brought sunlight back into what was a dismal place. Um, And then he followed that up with two losing seasons. And he has got a terrific recruiting class on the hook right now, 
But when they lost about a month ago to BC, it really was like, uh, it's a bad BC team right now. I think there was a lot of people who were like, especially the money people, because they had been soured on him a few years ago when South Carolina was open and he kind of made it known that he would at least listen to them. I think that just sent a lot of key people there off the edge about him. And I think they were over him. Now, from what I understand, the AD is still in his corner, but he is maybe in the minority there. And they had a couple of decent wins. They beat Virginia without Malik Cunningham, who's their star player. And they've they've gotten a little bit of momentum, right? And so their defense is starting to play well. The schedule is rough over the next month, though. They got a bunch of teams that have been in the top 25. If they can skate through there and 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 win at least half of them, maybe that's enough with the recruiting class they have to say, I, you know, I deserve more time. But this is a really good coach. He did a terrific job at, at App State. I don't know if it comes down to a case where they part ways and then all of a sudden, quite honestly, if you're Georgia Tech, do you do you go, hey, you don't want him? We'll take him because we know that this guy, you know, he knows how to win and he is a really good offensive coach. I think he would, you know, I think he would make some sense there. Like he's a guy who shouldn't be out of work long if it comes to that. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Ryan Walters there and, and, and we'll get you out of here on, on this. You know, uh, you know, so many assistants across the country. I know a lot of their names are, are going to come up in, in these cycles. Uh, who, who is kind of the, the three or four names to, to really watch on that front, either from the power five assistant ranks or, or even into the group of five? Yeah, I mean, Ryan Walters has played himself, I think, into a big spot. I think Alex Atkins, the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Florida State. You know, we talked, uh, you know, like Charlotte with, with Will Healy had had fallen apart well alex atkins was a key piece in them having that first bowl season then since he left they're they're like one less than half their games and he's done a really good job as like on a right hand man for mike norvell he's rebuilt what was a dreadful o-line room at florida state and i think he would make a lot of sense there uh at charlotte and there's a couple other places that i think people are looking at him um alex grinch when we talked about arizona state before He's another one who I like he's had opportunities to be a head coach and I think he's waited on the right situation. I mean, he does not have a ton to work with. This is there's no Caleb Williams or Jordan Addison in the defensive room, but he is he is uh, one that I think they will look at for that. And I could see Colorado looking at him because he has now a lot of ties on the West Coast. And I think he's shown he can do some good things without a lot of talent around him. And, And obviously, I wouldn't call this person like a rising star because of his age and because he's been a head coach in the NFL, but Bill O'Brien, because of the jobs that are open, certainly Georgia Tech, certainly Nebraska, I think he's somebody that that uh, will definitely will definitely have some some decisions to make. Um, one other name I would say to keep an eye on too, maybe not just in this cycle, but going forward, Sharon Moore, the uh, co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Michigan has done a terrific job there the past year and a half, especially. And he's a guy that I hear a lot of a lot of people are very, very impressed by. Well, terrific stuff. As as always, Bruce, we, we thank you so much for joining. We probably could go yapping on uh, about the coaching carousel for, for ages now, but uh, I'm sure there'll be more to cover in the coming weeks ahead. Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and Fox Sports, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. 